So hi, this is Paul Gladder with Religion Unplugged, and we're recording a podcast and a and a YouTube video today with John W. Miller in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, just to introduce briefly, John is a journalist. Um, in fact, we were colleagues at the Wall Street Journal for many years, and John will tell us about his journey, about a new documentary he's produced uh, with another filmmaker in Pittsburgh called Moundsville. So you and I both um, covered the, the metals industry and the steel industry out of Pittsburgh, which required a lot of car trips um, up and down the Ohio Valley and this sort of the, the old heart of American industry and manufacturing. And so I discovered Moundsville on a, one of those reporting trips and really the mound drew me in. I mean, it's this 2,000-year-old um, Native American burial mound. This idea of deep history in the region fascinated me. So I started visiting the, the town a little bit to, to learn the history. And I, I met a guy named Steve Hummel who had what he advertised as a paranormal hot dog stand. You know, all in this area are thousands of towns like this that clearly you know, had had more prosperous days and were trying to transition to something else. And you know, what that something else is, is, is not always clear. And then the 2016 election happened and everybody was talking about these small towns, which uh, you know, mathematically vote, voted for Donald Trump. And the idea of like telling the story, a deeper American story through this one town kind of gradually grew in me. And I thought about moving there and doing a book and then eventually uh, met Dave Renabo, who's my filmmaking partner. I'd never made a film before. And we teamed up and made this film, uh, Moundsville, which is the story of the town, but also the story of America, because it talks about the deep past, thousands of years ago, Native American presence, the burial mounds, a white settlement, uh, rise of industry, fall of industry, and now an economy that's very much a service economy uh, with some resources, gas and coal. Um, and then America is just trying to puzzle out like what the future looks like. I went back and read that first journal piece, and then the, there was a, another magazine piece in America magazine. And then as before, I rewatched your film, and I, I really encourage view, you know, listeners and viewers to check out this film. The film's easily available on PBS, so on pbs.org, just by searching for it, um, just like you would search for a Ken Burns documentary, or on the PBS app, which is on Roku or any other streaming device that you use. Um, so it's very easy to find right now, and it's free for a year on, on PBS. From my heart, really, you know, after the election and after, you know, this seeing like the, the troubles that journalism was having, uh, I was motivated to do something that was more meaningful. And by meaningful, I, I do mean loving in, in, a, in a Christian sense, in, in terms of like building bridges and reaching out to people and just listening. Because so much of the journalism uh, about places like this is pretty judgmental um, and, and cliched. And the idea of doing a piece where the, we listened to people and they told the story and, and we just sat there and, and, and we're humble about it. There's also the sense of transcendence, I think, you get from the mound. It sort of is like this Greek chorus that uh, intimates that, you know, our civilization will evolve and we will pass. And, and, and you know, the uh, most the things in life are not permanent. And so I think that is a, a jolt that is, is, is spiritual in nature. Uh, I'm curious to, to hear what you um, took away from it. Yeah, I definitely thought that, you know, starting with the, the, the uh, mound, that was a, like a spiritual element. And that first story about even the paranormal and people thinking of the spirits and the ghosts in this penitentiary and, um, and the violence. Totally. That, 
Yeah, can I say something about that? that, yeah. that um, the, the, the Trump campaign was the Make America Great Again, you know, whatever you think about it, was based on, on nostalgia and like this idea of bringing back um, the 50s in a way. And that's kind of a, um, an appeal to ghosts. And so here you have a town that literally markets ghosts. Like Steve has a ghost store, basically, where you can go and like sort of be with ghosts. And so I thought that was very, a very powerful um, indication of like where, where, the, where, the country, where, where the country is in, in some ways, that um, we want to go back to something and that we want to spend time with the ghosts of the past. You know, you saw, I saw, I saw Faith, um, sprinkled throughout it might have been a flash of a cross on someone's rearview mirror a shot an intentional shot by you and david the film the other filmmaker or cross on on steve's neck or a picture of jesus over phil remke's office you know some of these different things yeah so towns like this um in appalachia are, are going through a kind of sociological religious change in that people have been leaving the roman catholic church um partly because of the sexual abuse crisis, but also, well, in West Virginia, there's been a corruption crisis too in the church. And all, but also because they see it as too, as too stodgy and evangelical churches are seen as more exciting. So, so Phil now, for example, the vice mayor, worships both of the Catholic church and an evangelical church um, in Wheeling. And the, the Catholic community is sort of older and, and a little bit in decline there. They have a fantastic priest who I profiled in the, the American Magazine piece, who's a Vietnamese guy who... Um, saw it as his ministry to like minister to, to people in, in coal country. So he was in an even poorer community before in the, in the Southern part of West Virginia. Um, I should mention too, that one of the main characters, um, Rose Hart is this lovely woman who um, started this charity to help people uh, in, in poorer parts of West Virginia. So here you have somebody in a pretty poor town who is helping people in even, in an even poorer town. And she just radiates goodness and, and generosity. And so it's pragmatic, you know, help your neighbor toughness that people in the state um, love to identify with. Well, what, what was, what's your sort of journey around uh, the faith side of things as you're also telling the story of this place and these, this, uh, these people? So um, I, I left the Wall Street Journal in late 2016 a- after 13 years, partly because of a professional crisis that I wanted to do something more uh, different, you know, sort of deeper, and this movie is kind of that, but also a personal crisis where I thought maybe, um, you know, God was leading me in a different way. And I, I did consider um, religious life, so uh, monastic life or, or an order like, like the Jesuits. Um, and now have sort of straight, gone, not straight, but and, and not following that path for now. But I'm trying to integrate um, everything that's happened in the last few years. So I spent a little bit of time in, in a monastery in Belgium um, and have been working for this Jesuit magazine. And and now trying to you know put all the pieces together, um, and be be integrated so that like the experiences I had you know at the monastery mean something. And just because I don't become a monk doesn't mean that I can't incorporate you know monastic um, sort of ideas and and um, habits into my life as as a writer and, and filmmaker. The the big thing for me that I learned at the Wall Street Journal was to um, make sure that the story was was original that you were pointing out uh, or, or bringing it to light um, a person or a place or an idea that nobody had ever has seen before um, and you can't Google. Uh, and so that, that's what drives me. Um, and the, you know, the, the details tell the story, um, show don't tell for, for your journalism students um, and yeah. getting, getting um, you know, people who, who you like um, on the page and, and who you want to root for 
what's the bigger picture we can learn from like a town like Moundsville? What does it say about American manufacturing, about um, employment in America, about the service industry, about whether we need a universal basic income scheme, about American history, about, um, you know, the gas industry? What, what are the bigger things we can learn from, our, from a, a particular story? That, that's what journalism is. Yeah, yeah. Well, to me, that's what was interesting is, too, is how you sort of flip the I see how you sort of flip the process in a way, because I think typically in journalism and it makes sense. And and by the way, like, you know, I think you and I still read tons of great journalism at the Journal and the Times and a lot of places, New York are just doing really great work. But often for those and for obvious reasons, you know, the writer has to we have to sell the editor on a story and we got to narrow the focus. And we somehow end up, we train the focus on a thesis and we go to that place, um, uh, you know, trying to get the examples and the things that we know are going to make the story work as we pitched it, right? And um, and we got to connect the dots, like you're saying, to bigger context. But here, it sort of, it seems like you had you were able to, because of the luxury of time and you controlled some of the formats for how you're telling the story in the on the blog and the documentary, you could almost inverse it and focus it on the town itself and connect the dots in a different way, maybe more broadly or something, right? What I, what I love about the documentary, and this kind of happened a little bit by accident and, and hard work both, um, is that we have people who are not scholars saying scholarly things. Like when Bill Wenick, who's a, a retired teacher, he's in the diner and he says, you know, capitalism means you want uh, things made for cheaper. And if you can do that, you move somewhere else. And he just captures like, yeah, like capitalism can make this, this, this town rich or prosperous for 40 years. But when the factory closes, then they lose that. And it really just informs, it gives you this deeper, to me at least, like this, this notion of like this epiphany of like, oh yeah, like, you know, it's not, a, it's not a good or a bad thing, capitalism, but it has this character that it can make you really prosperous and, and, and um, supply for your, or provide for your town for decades. And then when the factory people stop buying whatever the factory is making, then or, or somebody can make it cheaper somewhere else, then you lose the factory. And he's saying it; it's not like a, 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 a talking head academic saying it. And so that the idea that we that people can be wise um, who aren't like experts, um, I think also that that might be like a, a a Christian message that you know people have wisdom, and if you listen to them, they can share that wisdom. That guy in the diner, the poet, the poet laureate, uh, he is very eloquent, mm-hmm. but also just um, even, you know, the clerk in a bank. I mean, these different people have meaningful things to say, it seems. Mm-hmm. As you, you know. mm-hmm. um, and the, uh, the, the, the blog, by the way, has become an entire side project. I've done uh, dozens of stories that are all on Moundsville.org. People can read, um, including on late Lady Gaga, whose mom is from Moundsville. Uh, George Brett, the great baseball player, um, who was born there. Um, this uh, glass maker whose um, dad was laid off from Fustoria, so he started making glass in his backyard. Now he has his own glass business. So dozens of people who are tangential to the movie are profiled and have explored history and done um, stories on uh, essays on Native American mounds and um, whether factories can save small towns. All kinds of stuff is all on org. Yeah, so I, I, I was looking through some of those stories today, and um, tell us about what's going on with COVID in Moundsville right now. I saw you had a few pieces on that. Yeah, well, like a lot of places like that, it has an uh, aging population, so it's vulnerable. Um, it has some hospitals nearby in the area. 
Uh, I haven't heard last time I checked that there was a kind of nasty outbreak. They, they locked down uh, fairly uh, efficiently. Okay. And so, so far so good. Um, but I do worry about those people because they became friends and, and, you know, we worked together for over a year and then we sort of have stayed in touch. So I, I care about them. And um, a lot of places like that, I have feared this spring thinking of all the towns in Pennsylvania and Ohio and West Virginia, full, full of people over 50 and 60 um, and not always in the best health, um, obesity rates, diabetes are kind of high. So I, I've been worried about them, but uh, yeah, um, we still don't know how, how badly they'll be impacted um, by COVID. You seem to have kind of adopted Moundsville. Is there a, do you know how long you're going to keep reporting stuff about Moundsville? Do you think you'll move there one day? Um, like, or do you think you'll move on to another town uh, to, to do a story or a film? Or what, what are your thoughts? On, on yeah, I'm, I'm sensitive to that because I'm, I'm their guest. And so I try, you know, I, I don't use words like I've, adop- I've adopted them. We, we, pre- we premiered the film in the, in the town, which is incredible. We had 150 people came out and we were, but we were terrified that people wouldn't like it. Um, and so it was a big relief when they did, when they thought it was balanced. And, you know, there, a couple of people were kind of cranky about it, but for the most part, they like it. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm sort of, I, I've been in the phase of following my heart the last few years, um, you know, without a, a full-time job. So I've been doing a, a tons of projects and I, we'll keep doing this one as long as it feels like, as it, as it feels right. You know, I, I, um, I, I, I don't think I'll move, I'll move there. Um, but I'm, I, I am fascinated and it'll be part of my life, you know, as long as I live because it was, it was my best attempt at a meaningful response to the Trump moment and division in America and a deeper look at where this country's headed. And so it'll always be that for me. And the fact that it's now on PBS kind of validates that, vision which you know was turned into a movie with a budget of four thousand dollars and a a crew of two and so really it's the power of an idea that i think speaks to people that uh listening and telling deeper stories about our our con the context we're in because americans don't always think about the past very much and so to reflect a little more deeply on the past um moundsville will, will always be my window for doing that i think uh, any any more uh, updates of where the film goes next, and maybe um, uh, remind us once again where people can can find this. So, um, uh, Moundsville.org is the movie's website, which has um, an option to um, rent and buy it. And that's that's a longer version, by the way, than the one that's on PBS. That's seventy five minutes. Um, PBS is fifty seven minutes, and that's on PBS.org or on Roku, um, the app, the PBS app um, on your phone. You can get it. I had it on my phone and was very excited you know, yesterday when they um, put it there to search for it and to see that it was placed up there next to Ken Burns' documentary. So um, any PBS PBS app. Um, we don't have any screenings planned, um, but I hope it will be part of the conversation in the election. We talk about, you know, why Trump was elected, because I think Moundsville gives you a sense of that. Like in the first chapter, we explore um, the industrial um, past and how everybody had a job. And that, that is what Americans dream of, to have a uh, society where you don't have to um, stress about, about finding a good, a good um, uh, factory job. Great, well, thanks for joining us today, John. And uh, again, I hope everyone checks out this film uh, about Moundsville, West Virginia, titled simply Moundsville. Thanks Always so much. A ple- Always a pleasure, Paul. Take care. 
This episode of the Religion Unplugged podcast was hosted by executive editor Paul Gladder, edited and produced by Peter Freeby. Special thanks to Religion Unplugged managing editor Megan Clark. The Religion Unplugged podcast is a production of religionunplugged.com and is a part of The Media Project, a nonprofit dedicated to equipping journalists to cover religion. To read our award-winning global religion news coverage or to find out more about Religion Unplugged or The Media Project, visit religionunplugged.com or follow us on Twitter at ReligionMag.